Libby B. Anderson, and you're listening to the She Who Overcomes podcast, the weekly show that helps you spark hope and creativity for your life and business. In case we've never met before, I'm the chief creative officer and a leadership coach at a company called Rayma Team. I love coffee dates and books, stiletto shoes, running, kayaking, and I just happen to be living with a disease called cystic fibrosis. I'm sharing my story as well as the stories of people from around the world to help you rise up with hope-filled action. Grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey, Overcomers, I have a treat for you today. If you have ever struggled with health challenges while going after your dreams or running a business, this is definitely going to be the episode that you want to dive into. So a few months ago this summer, I had the opportunity to be involved in a panel on Facebook Live for the Minnesota chapter of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. It was actually the Minnesota and Dakotas chapter, I guess. But I had a wonderful conversation with two other female entrepreneurs from around the nation that have cystic fibrosis. And we talked about all kinds of things, like what it's been like um, living with this disease, overcoming this disease while going after our dreams. We've talked about how we creatively manage our time during, you know, during... uh, just life in general, but also how we've been doing that during the the pandemic. And we just have a great conversation that is sure to inspire you, encourage you, maybe even give you some new skills to equip you to do the same thing in your life. So I'm going to uh, hand this over to the um, the video, which you actually are hearing the audio from that video. And I really hope that you are encouraged by this. And I look forward to hearing the takeaways that you get from it as well. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our first Women Entrepreneurs with Cystic Fibrosis panel. We are so excited to have you guys here tonight to celebrate entrepreneurship and listen to these women's inspiring stories. My name is Channing Pick, um, and I will be moderating tonight with these phenomenal women. Um, This event is made possible through our Tomorrow's Leaders program. It's the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation's Young Professionals Group. Um, Tomorrow's Leaders provides networking opportunities as well as professional development opportunities for like-minded philanthropic individuals. So if you're interested in hearing more about the program, message us, or if you want to join us, message us, and we can get you all set up. If at any point during this time you have questions, please feel free to um, put them in the chat because our panelists would love to answer them. Without further ado, I'm going to let Mandy um, B. Anderson kick it off tonight. Mandy? Well, thank you for having me. I'm super honored to be here with everybody and to be joining you from Bismarck, North Dakota. I am the chief creative officer and a leadership coach at my company called Rayma Team. And we are a coaching and consulting company that helps people live and lead well as they build the business that they love. So Katie, I'm going to go ahead and kick it on over to you. (laughs) 
Hi, everyone. I am Katie Malik, and I am in the Seattle area in Washington State, out on the West Coast. Um, I am a yoga teacher. I am an opera singer, and I also um, am a marketing consultant, specifically on content marketing uh, for small business clients. Um, so I'm 40 years old, have CF, and I've been self-employed for about two years, um, and I had about 15 years in the IT industry before I kind of decided to take the leap and uh, spread my wings and uh, do the self-employment thing. So, uh, Cherise, let's hear from you. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Cherise Kunkel. I'm 35 with CF, um, located in Peoria, Illinois area. And I was in the real estate industry for many years, and I recently um, stepped back from that, and I'm doing freelance blogging and social media management so that I can have a more flexible um, work schedule and work from home um, because we're also foster, my husband and I are foster parents to um, children with different um, disabilities and challenges and things. So yeah, looking forward to share today. Thank you. So as you can tell, um, we have a phenomenal group of women from a lot of different backgrounds. We really hope that their experiences will provide insight and hopefully, like I said, inspire you to maybe go after that little side hustle that you have or, um, you know, any opportunity that you want. Um, so I guess the first question I really want to ask you, ladies, um, and I'll start with Katie, is what was the... What is the most difficult part of being an entrepreneur? And, you know, if being an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur with cystic fibrosis, does that pose a whole nother challenge? Or is it, you know, a benefit to be your own boss? Um, I think there's a lot of different layers to that question. I mean, for just from the entrepreneurial focus, and uh, I would say my biggest challenge is in um, just coordinating and managing a team. Um, because when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of have to wear a lot of different hats. And so you can kind of get overburdened and, and act just like you are responsible for everything. And, and so the ability to build a team and to kind of delegate and carve off responsibilities to other people um, is really central, I think, to uh, the, the entrepreneurship, you know, being being long lasting enough so you don't get that burnout of, oh, my God, I have to do everything. Um, and there's kind of a parallel to that in in CF and in caring for yourself is that like it's a super, super complex disease. Um, there's a lot of impacts on your daily life and your care regimen and coordinating with your care team and your pharmacy and recognizing those things that you have to delegate to other people that you just can't do it all on your own. You need to have that support team around you. Um, and I think that's something that people with CF know how to do because you've got this lifetime of, of doing that. Um, and so that's a skill set that you have just for managing your daily life with CF that can carry over um, into an entrepreneurial endeavor, um, recognizing, you know, the skills that other people have um, and being willing to delegate responsibility and trusting that they're going to follow through because they they care just a, a, as much about this thing as you do. Um, so finding the right people that, that you can trust, that you can delegate tasks to, I think is a big challenge, but it's something that people with CF, I feel, are poised to really be able to do well. Um, Mandy, did you have thoughts on that? Um, something that's been maybe challenging for you? Um, doesn't have to be CF related or anything, but yeah, I guess I should say that I'm 38 years old with CF and I, I kind of forget to lead with that because um, I often tell people that having CF is kind of like 
um, brushing my teeth. It's such a part of me that when I'm healthy, which is most of the time, I don't really think about it. I think it becomes challenging when it's time to go in the hospital for a tune-up or you notice that you have to have extra rest days. And so I think when it comes to one of the hardest parts of being an entrepreneur, but definitely learning how to, I don't like to use the word balancing your time because balance is really more about your mental and emotional state than it is making sure everything is equal in every part of your life. But it's it's more guarding your schedule and scheduling your energy. And that's something I've really had to learn as an entrepreneur with CF is to schedule my energy and and giving myself that permission to rest when I need it and let my my team know I actually own my company with my best friend of over 20 years. So and my husband is part owner as well. But my best friend and I are really at the forefront of our business. And so one of the hardest parts about our company and our entrepreneurial journey is learning how to have a healthy business relationship without sacrificing our friendship. And also, I think, um, you know, there's there's always these hard business decisions that you have to make um, when you're in business for a long period of time that you don't think about when you're first starting out. So I'm six years into owning this company with my best friend, and we've had to really look at things like, do we have the right uh, support staff? Do we have the right contracted workers? Um, we recently rebranded our company about a year ago, and that was a really hard pivot to make because we had to come uh, come to terms with some of our own toxic patterns that were keeping us from growing in the way that we wanted to. And we also had to come to terms with what it takes to actually make your company profitable. And one of the best decisions that we made earlier this year before before COVID ever happened was we decided to get rid of our downtown office space. And that has opened up revenue for us that we weren't able to have because we were using it on those monthly expenses that we no longer needed. And I think those are some of the things you don't really think about when you jump into the entrepreneurial journey of like, oh, what are these going to decision? What are these decisions going to lead to in the future and how are we going to handle it? And in that respect, I think it is challenging because you go through hard things that you don't don't initially think about or you don't even know to ask because you're just so excited to get going. <laughs> I see I see you guys nodding along with me like, yeah, I get it. And I think that's something that I wish I could go back six years ago and tell newbie entrepreneur me some of these things and to not be so focused on going after the dream and getting there, but be more focused on growing slower so that you could handle it. Yeah, I love that you said guard your schedule. Like if that's like the one go-to thing, I think with real estate, especially like, you know, clients want you to, you know, to show them a house when they want to see it. It's 24 seven, you're on the go. And I did, I jumped into it so fast that I was just anytime, you know, I could go and I realized like, I need to make sure I have, you know, my three set times to do all my treatments and I need to make sure I can fit all this in and so <clears throat> I would agree. I think the hardest thing for me for real estate would have been, you know, the timing, um, <clears throat> just making sure I had time for everything and trying to make sure it all worked, um, not sacrificing, you know, my health um, for the career, which I 
struggled with a bit, you know, just kind of being overpassionate and zealous at first, you know. Um, but it's kind of also on the flip side, it's been a perk because the jobs have been more flexible. You know, um, you can, you know, not work that morning if you have a doctor's appointment. You know, you don't have to clock in technically. Um, so it's kind of goes both ways for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that about the guarding of your time. Um, it's so important, especially when, um, so I just have my, my feet in so many different areas between singing and teaching yoga and running CF Yogi, which is a virtual yoga studio for people with CF, um, and my own marketing clients and taking care of myself and all of that. And I feel like if you've got um, diverse interests on top of your CF, like that, that personal time is just so, so important. Um, to maintaining your your mental health. So I, I agree with you both on that one. Do you guys think that it it is a little bit easier because we have CF to keep, like we're almost forced to keep that on the forefront because I work with so many clients and most of them are women that, that struggle with this, but so many of them just want to set up their business hours as I'm going to be available when the client wants me. And then they find themselves burning out because they're available at all times. They're emailing people at three o'clock in the morning when they can't sleep. They're doing all these things. And one of the very first things we will do in our company when we have somebody working with with starting their own business is having them set office hours. Do you guys do that? Yeah. I mean, I have to schedule it out. I mean, especially being a foster parent because we have appointments and court dates and things like yeah. that. Too. But I think because of my CF, like it almost made it a bit easier because I always had schedules and routine and structure. So, um, yeah, I think it prepared me a little bit better. Yeah. And I, I see too that, um, so this is, this is where I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, um, because this actually came up before we went live today, but I was on a Swedish reality TV show in 2014. And interestingly enough, it was through doing that experience that I realized how unusual it is to have a schedule where you set your own kind of requirements for your self-care and your own daily routine. Because when you're filming a reality TV show, they want you available like every single minute that you're awake. Um, and so I had to like kind of put a wall up around the producers and be like, no, I need this time and this time to do my meds. And like they just like didn't fathom it for the first couple of weeks until we actually got into the groove. Um, and so just seeing how that industry worked with like that you've always got to be on. Like if you're on set, you're like ready, you're there. Like, you've got to be at the beck and call. Um, and so that was a huge learning experience for me um, to just be able to guard my time and be able to kind of relate to those who don't do that and say, oh, yeah, this is why I'm, you know, putting this this wall up because I need to take care of myself. And they're like, gosh, I need to do that in my life. <laughs> so there's, uh, there's something that you can see about uh, how uh, what Mandy said. Like, a lot of people don't necessarily inherently do that. But I think the fact that we have CF, it just kind of, like, forces us to that we kind of have a, um, a niche, a niche skill in that. <laughs> That's super, super awesome. Like, I mean, your whole experience with that Swedish, uh, reality TV show was the fun, most fun fact I've heard today. Um, so I guess kind of, I want to know what the importance of, um, mentors have been towards for you guys have either you being a mentor or having mentors what is that 
mean, and if you haven't had one, it's okay to kind of pass or maybe put your two cents in on that. Okay, I have I have so much to say on this, but I'll start with having a mentor um, myself because when I first stepped into the leadership and the personal development industry, it was on my own journey of personal growth, which started because I was um, signing up to do a network marketing business and I wanted to learn everything that they had. And I was fortunate fortunate enough through that journey to meet somebody named Sandy Krakowski. She's um, a mentor of mine that I've been following for years. I've, I've worked with her one-on-one. I've worked with her in group settings. I'm currently in her group coaching program right now. And she is so um, inspiring and helpful to me because she has her own health challenges. She doesn't have cystic fibrosis, but she has been overcoming um, all types of disease like lupus and Crohn's and ulcerative colitis and different things that have really caused a lot of pain and a lot of um, moments where she just can't work. So she, everything I've learned about learning how to guard my time and my schedule has been inspired by her because she's, you know, a millionaire business owner that sometimes only works 10 hours a week because of her health. So it's inspiring to see that and to learn from that. And and I think anybody who's thinking of starting their business, they need somebody, first of all, who's gone before them in business, doesn't have to be the same industry, but in business. But if you do struggle with any type of health challenges, you really need somebody who understands that because if they don't, they might challenge you to spread yourself so thin that you sacrifice your health and they might not understand that because they've never had to do it. Yeah, I would say I haven't had like one specific like person that's really um, kind of mentored me, but I've had a great support system um, and a lot of individual role models that have helped me, you know, whether it be real estate or, you know, you know, even in blogging, um, I started very young and it just kind of built and that's how I got into that. But even so, I had other people's blogs and people I talked to. So there's been a lot of people. I mean, I, I couldn't even name all the people that have inspired me or helped me along the road. But it's important to have a support system or somebody um, to help you to, you know, also look out for, you know, the things that you might not think about. Yeah, I, I think that when it comes to mentorship, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a formal mentor person, but there's like always the person who just kind of makes a spark. Like you see something that they do and it inspires you or you look at them, you know, accomplish something like, gosh, I could do that too. Um, and so, and that like that spark carries, like you get sparked by someone else and then someone else sees you and they're like, hey, I could do that too. Um, so if I kind of look at my like upstream sparks, um, my dad is definitely one of them. Um, he started his own business building boats. He kind of took his passion for uh, solving this unique problem with this one kind of boat that he saw he couldn't find anywhere and uh, said, I'm going to use my imagineering uh, and my resourcefulness and I'm going to start building these boats and see if anyone wants to buy them and built his business off of that. Um, and then uh, when I started working um, out, out in the real world, not for my parents' business, but, uh, you know, and college and things like that. Um, my former employer, um, uh, Peter Saitel of Saitel Leads or Saitel Systems in Seattle, um, 
he really built one of like the the most trusted uh, organizations, you know, for IT support, IT engineering in the Seattle area. And seeing the way that he did it, like he just did it by like being an honestly good person. Um, and just seeing how much like your reputation of being someone that people want to work with is just huge. Like that's it's just like being the real person um, and the you know empathetic person who under, wants to understand what your clients are going through. Um, and using your your brain to help solve their problems. Like, that's just a gigantic thing that I learned from him. Um, and then if I kind of look at my downstream, you know, sparks and those who, who I kind of, like, sparked them on their path. Um, and one of them is, like, this woman that I absolutely love, who's my CF Yogi co-founder mama. Um, her name is Myra Jaffaloni. And she and I co-founded CF Yogi um, because we both had the same idea to meet the need in the CF community of a yoga program that was really tailored to the needs of people with CF. Um, and so when we met each other, like within 24 hours, we had an impact grant, you know, uh, kind of mission statement that we proposed to the CF Foundation. Um, and she and I built this thing together. And um, about a year after I decided to kind of take the leap into self-employment, she decided to do the same thing. And so it's great for me to see, like, that she's working with her own clients now and that, like, this experience of building this thing together has really helped both of us um, to kind of trust ourselves and, and our, our marketability and in the world. And um, and also, you know, the instructors that we were able to hire, like, they are now building their own yoga businesses in their own local communities so um, it's really cool when you see, like, kind of the, the wake from what you've been doing and you see it trickle out to other people. And then you look back and you realize that someone else did that for you. Um, that's one thing that I really love about the, the entrepreneurship communities, all these people who just want to learn and learn and spark each other. Yeah, I think that's one of the most exciting things as an entrepreneur is the creative ideas that happen. Like that's one of my favorite things as a chief creative officer. I love those type of those type of things and all the ideas. Um, okay, there is a question on Facebook from Anton, and he says owning a business can be stressful. Have any of you had challenges managing your health due to the stress of owning a business? I mean, I don't know if I would say it was directly to the stress. Um, I, I definitely did struggle with my health and managing uh, my real estate career and being a foster parent um, to kiddos with special needs. But, you know, whether that's because of my career or because I'm fostering and I have, you know, maybe too many things going on. Um, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily due to the stress. I mean, real estate was a stressful career, but... I feel like because of my CF, because I've always had to kind of manage multiple things, I dealt with it pretty well. Um, so I don't know, like, if my stress was really any any effect. It was more just, like, managing time, scheduling things, not running so much, not forgetting to eat, um, you know, not losing weight, you know, getting sick and making sure I take the proper amount of days to recover instead of still pushing through um, and then getting, you know, even more ill and being on IVs. So for me, it was more just like watching myself and giving myself what I needed to rebound. I'd say I actually have, um, <laughs> I found it more stressful being an employee than being self-employed. 
Um, and I think that a lot of that is just the demands that, you know, an employer places on you um, where you feel like you always have to justify like, oh, you know, I have to go to the doctor's appointment or I can only work this many hours or I need to work from home um, and just not having as much control over, you know, your assignments or, or what's put on you. And as a self-employed person, I can really tailor my client load based on how much capacity I have. Like I can take on fewer clients when I, you know, if I have to go on a round of IVs or um, I've got other demands on my time because of my health. So for me, it was actually the reverse. Um, I just felt like the my stress level and just kind of my day-to-day contentment has been a lot um, better managed uh, since I started uh, working for myself. I'd have to say that I I can kind of identify with you, Katie, because I was really like I was really stressed out when I had when I worked full time for somebody else because I'm one of those people and and I don't know if you guys are too, but I'm one of those people who gets a lot done really quickly and then it didn't make sense for me to just sit around waiting because I have to be there from eight to five. Like that did not make any amount of sense in my brain. And it still doesn't like be effective, not just taking up space, but I would get stressed out because I would want to, you know, be there and keep up with everybody else. And I would get stressed out if I had to have a tune up because I didn't want them to think that I'm going to always be sick and in the hospital. So I would kind of internalize things and get stressed out that way. But as an entrepreneur, I know that I'm stressed out when I'm not sleeping well. And the way that that comes across for me personally as with CF is the less sleep I get, the more I cough. So if I'm well rested, I don't cough hardly at all. Um, if I'm not, I cough a ton and I'm exhausted and I need three or four treatments to make it through a normal day where where it's not even a heavy workload. And that's when I noticed that, oh, there's a lot of stress happening and I need to rearrange my schedule again because I've maybe just um, kind of spread myself too thin. I will say um, I'm currently on Trikafta and I have had an interesting relationship with that because for the first 110 days, it was awesome. But my liver function... Um, started to get really high. My, my bilirubin got really high. So I had to go off of it a month. And that was a rude awakening because I didn't realize all the sneaky ways that CF was stealing from me before I was on Trikapta because I just knew how to manage it. And then suddenly for 110 days, I had this sustainable energy and I never coughed and I slept through the night and I would wake up before my alarm clock. And it was just this amazing feeling And then it was like five days after having to go off it, it was just this boom, rude awakening. And that has really opened my eyes because now I'm, you know, back on it, but we're not doing the full dose quite yet because we're, we're still checking on things and it's good and it's, it's still a difference. But what I, what I learned from that is I need to really make sure that I still use my rest day. Like I'm, I'm big on having one rest day a week where I don't do any chores. I don't do um, any work. A lot of times I might actually have a movie day and rest a lot like on the couch or I might do something fun with my husband, but I make sure that I guard that because when I first started, started trek after I didn't, I, I was so excited to have the energy that I just wanted to do all the things. And now I realize, okay, even if that's my reality on a medication, 
I can't let go of that discipline of taking care of myself with rest days because you never know what might change with medicine. So um, that's one of the things like I think sometimes being on new medicine can be stressful in itself because your body is acclimating and that it's hard sometimes to identify what's stress from being an entrepreneur and having your own business and what's stress from just what's happening in your body. So I think, I think it's such a great question, Anton. Thanks for asking it because it's true, but I, I think it's, it's such a complicated answer because there's so many facets to it. And I, I also have the, the added benefit of I'm a yoga teacher and I'm trained in like trauma sensitive, you know, and mood management uh, through yoga. Yes. So I kind of have my own bag of tricks that I can use for that. Um, but I, I love, Mandy, your point about being able to accomplish, you know, a lot in a short amount of time because it is really burdensome if you feel like, OK, well, I'm really done with everything that I had to work today. So what's some busy work that I can you know do that I don't really care about? Um and just and so for me, as a you know just self-employed setting my own schedule, I work in two-hour blocks. I I book like a two-hour block for you know a client task. I get really focused on it, and then I can be done like a lot of times for the day. So I get and I set my billing rate high enough that I can sustain my income um, from that. So even though I'm working few hour, fewer hours than I was when I was an employee, I'm actually making more money because like they're getting really valuable work out of those two hours. So they're okay paying like a higher rate than they might pay an employee. Um, so I think that as long as you're like, you're producing the value at that shorter period of time, then, you know, clients can actually love that. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Like when I'm, working from a self-employed um, angle, I'm definitely making more money and working less hours because the time management is so different. And I do um, around nine breathing treatments a day and trying to fit that in to a full-time, you know, 40 hour a week was just like when you have to clock in and clock out and you have an hour commute home. And it was, that was stressful. Um, being able to schedule my time and, you know, be my own boss and figure it out is a lot less stressful. Um, we actually have a, another question that kind of relates to this from Kelly on Facebook. It says, uh, what time management techniques do we each use to manage our busy schedules and what tips or tricks can we share? Um, so like from what I was talking about, um, my main go-to is now that I'm working from home doing um, basically all my work on my laptop, I do it during my treatments. So like while I'm doing my therapies, I have a two hour like set time in the mornings I do my therapies. I have an hour and a half in the afternoons and then another hour and a half in the evening. And that's like a good solid chunk of time that I'm working on blogs and editing and running different social media pages that I help manage and run. Um, and that's kind of my, my go-to is like I use every minute of my time. So it's not, you know, then I have good chunks of time I can spend with my family too. Um, so I just make sure I multitask if possible. I think multitasking is like my number one go-to thing I do. Um, whether I'm in the hospital or at home or doing treatments, I am multitasking. <laughs> what about you guys? I do the same thing or actually I did prior to Trikafta. I mean, I'm 40 years old and I was doing that for so many years where like I would have my, you know, nebulizer on my desk. And so I would start like by writing or, you know, doing my um, calendar management in the morning and kind of uh, get a handle on the day. Um, and it was interesting that Trikafta actually changed that because I'm one of the people who 
It turned out the nebulizers are not good for me on Tricafta. They were causing homoptosis and stuff. And it's like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and back off of that. And I actually don't do any daily nebulizers now. Thanks to my doctor for saying that he, you know, thought I should stop them. Um, and so that was actually an interesting shift to in my daily schedule because that had always been my multitasking time, you know, sit, sit at my desk right here and, do the nebs and, and get some work done. And um, I kind of had to make a new normal around managing my time because, you know, I'm not sitting down at a desk to do that in the morning. Um, so instead, I made it like my workout time when I used to do my nebs. Um, and I found that like when I've got the blood moving and I'm like doing a run or I'm uh, like I get to do more time doing doing yoga and then my head is clearer when I start my work day. Um, so it's like there's still kind of a double duty from getting that in, but that was really a unique opportunity that I had to create some new habits um, since I didn't have thing that I had always done ever since I went off to college and had my nebulizer on my desk. Like that was my thinking and concepting and writing time. So the, the time management definitely of like where I could fit multiple things together um, to to get stuff done. That's that's definitely been been my bag of tricks too okay that is so awesome that you don't have to do treatments is that a weird feeling it is totally bizarre um like every time i reached out to my doctor's office because i was having some unusual symptom and i'm like do i need antibiotics like the answer has always been do more medication right if something's mm -hmm. going wrong and like the past half a dozen times I've reached out and I'm like, do you know, do I need to add something else? And they're like, try taking this away. And I was like, what? OK. And yeah, it's it's crazy. Like and I've cut back my enzymes, too. Like and like you, there's all this stuff that you kind of assume over the course of your life with CF mm -hmm. that, the, that the solution is going to be add another treatment or add another medication. And it's really weird to see like, no, nope, we're going to take that off your plate. We're going to put that over here now. Um, so I'm just kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop because I don't want to like get too used to this, but mm -hmm. maybe this is what it's going to look like. So, I mean, I've been on Trikafta for over six months now and like my liver levels are good and there's no indication that this isn't going to be sustainable. So I'm just like mind blown. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So I think when it comes to time management tips, I am a big planner person. Um, one of my favorite planners is the leaders in heels planner. It's from a, a company out of Australia and it's really, um, I mean, it's tiny. It took me a while to get used to writing in tiny things, but it's kind of like a life coach in a planner, which is why I like it because it also, it's like a life and business coach in a planner because it, it brings you through different personal and business growth questions every quarter and every month. So that's one of my biggest things. Um, we also use a system called Basecamp. Have you guys heard of that? Um, it's a tool that we use to keep track of all of our projects and our calendar and our to-do list. Um, all of that. We even keep, we're even starting to keep like our social media planning um, and our photos and everything in that because as a team, especially now that we're not in the same office, we We've always used that as a way. It's like our brain. Everything we need to do is in there. And that really does help with time management because it, it helps me remember what tasks need to be done for what projects. So I use that. And then I'm a big fan of timers. We used to have something called, um, we would call it the 90-minute game. 
because when we were downtown, if we weren't parking our vehicles in the parking garage, the street downtown had 90 minute parking. So we would get really good at doing things in 90, 90 minute increments. Well, there's actually studies that show that for time management, focusing on something for 90 minutes and then giving a, giving yourself a break and getting up and walking around for 10 to 15 minutes is actually really good. So that's one of the things that I do. I also um, keep my phone on do not disturb when I am really focused on certain tasks. So, I mean, these aren't really CF related things. These are basic like entrepreneurial tips that you can use for time management, but they really do help because my business owner has three kids. I don't have any, she has three kids and she, she's even found, you know, since living in quarantine and homeschooling kids all at the same time that she's had to change that from 90 minutes to about 60 minutes with her kids. So she works for 60 minutes, checks in with the kids and then comes back um, when they were homeschooling. Now that it's summer, they can go a little bit longer without needing that. But those are some of the really simple tips that um, people don't always utilize. I hear all the time people are like, oh, I love the idea of a planner, but I just I don't get around to writing in it or I don't fill it out. And it's just one of those things where if you need a tool to help you, you just have to create the discipline to use it. It's with any new habit. You just have to create the discipline to use it. Yeah, and I, I love the practical tips, too, about, like, tools that you actually use for time management. Um, and one thing that really helps me is just with calendars. I have, like... Uh, 10 different email aliases that I use. Like, I've got my personal. I've got CF Yogi. I've got Mallet Creative Services. Um, I've got, you know, certain client email addresses. And if I sit up there with my email open, like, they're popping all the time and I can't focus on one thing. So I create a distraction-free zone. I'm, like, working on one thing. I'll only have one, you know, email inbox open. Um, but what I'll do is, like, a lot of them have their own calendars. And you can sync them all through to Google Calendar as like your ma as my master calendar. So it's all color coded, and I can see like yes, I've got this thing for CF Yogi happening t at ten. I've got a client meeting at two, um, and I can kind of get a look at my whole day from my Google Calendar um, with everything in this little box. So because I like I wear so many different hats for so many different clients in a day that that way I can focus on that client at a time, but I can still kind of see how they fit in my big picture world. So, um, yeah, just that functionality of using Google Calendar and syncing your other calendars through to it, super helpful, as is Calendly. So if you have um, client scheduling meetings with you, Calendly can look at your, at your calendar and you can set parameters, like I want to leave a 15-minute window before or after my other appointments. Um, and like I'm not available these hours of the day. So it makes it a lot easier for scheduling because you can just send the link to your client and they can, you know, pick a time that works for them. And you already know that it's working within your scheduling parameters. So I super like that. That's super awesome. So Cherie's uh, um, just ran into a little bit of technical difficulties. So she'll be back in a second. But um, while we're running um, with that, I do have some questions on Facebook. So, um, hi, are you back? Yes, awesome, perfect. So, um, one question we have from Drew is, what's your most memorable experience as an entrepreneur so far? Uh, 
I've got one. <laughs> um, I was invited to be on a panel at Comic-Con in Seattle um, last year. My husband is one of my clients, and he is a fantasy author. And so they invited him to be on this panel about um, uh, indie author success in sci-fi and fantasy. And he was like, yes, I will do it, but you really need to talk to my wife um, because I was, the, I was really his business development manager. And so it was really cool being in a room full of people um, who all were like aspiring, uh, you know, comic artists and screenwriters and, um, and, you know, fantasy authors and sci-fi authors and having them, you know, come to me for marketing, uh, advice when I don't even, you know, write books or I haven't uh, published anything myself yet. Um, and it was just so cool to be in a room with all these really creative, uh, content creators and just like feeling that energy feed off of people. Um, I'd say that's like, that was one of my uh, kind of like, hey, I can actually do this entrepreneur thing. Um, and, you know, having people reach out to me after like, hey, I saw you on the panel. Can I hire you to help me with this thing? So that was that was a really memorable and kind of like turning point. And I, I think in my um, self-employment, I can do this path. I think I would say mine was like a very simple moment. It was the moment I got licensed in real estate. Um, I am doing social media now, but like, I probably will end up going back to real estate once we're done fostering or, you know, the kiddos we have are grown up or something because I, my passion is in real estate. Um, and the day I got licensed, it was like a dream come true because I had been wanting to do real estate since I was like eight years old. I mean, I went through open houses for fun. Like I would drag my mom through them and I would draw blueprints. And so getting my license is a huge moment. And then um, the first year in real estate, I got an award. Um, and then my third year in real estate, I doubled like my sales for the for the last, the you know the year before, and that was a huge like I'd hit my goals every year, and I was like, I'm doing this, I'm successful, this is like my dream, um, and I think it was a huge thing for me. It it was amazing. So that is awesome. Congratulations. Um, so Thanks. I think I think for me the. The most memorable is about to happen. Um, I found out in May that I was accepted as a speaker for TEDx Bismarck. And I've been working on trying to be a TEDx speaker for like the last two years. I think I've applied four times and this was the first time I was actually accepted. So um, that's something I'm really excited about. But um, from the past, I think one of the most memorable experiences was our first year in business. We, we started out doing life coaching for women and we used to do these, e these events every year called beautiful wholeness. And it was like a jam packed day of life coaching. And I knew from the events that I had been to and the mentors I worked with that we needed to have some sort of a product there for the people that wanted next steps that that wasn't necessarily they wanted to coach with us, but they wanted something they could tangibly take home and work on themselves. So we have always written our own content in our company and um, we decided to publish our own products. So we published like I think we had maybe three. I think we had three different little workbooks and then a couple different CDs they could take from our podcast at the time for those people who just wanted like a set. And it was funny because here we are in this little room of like 60 women in Bismarck, North Dakota. And 
we're telling them about these products that you guys were seriously like sweatshop products. We put them together with our moms in an office. They were, they were like, here, I will show you. They were this quality. They weren't even like an actual workbook, but they were like this quality with colored, you know, covers and everything. And when we told people they were available and that they should run to get them because there's a limited amount, they actually ran to get them. So we're standing at the front of this room on this tiny little stage watching all of these women like flee to the product table of our sweatshop books. And I think that was just one of the most fun things to see because it built in our minds this credibility that what we know we have to offer and we know can help people actually is and it, they actually want it. And I think when you're an entrepreneur and you're just starting out, you don't have that guarantee. Like you have a lot of case studies. Everything we've ever done is a case study and you don't know if your marketing is going to work right off the bat. And so it's a lot of trial and error. And that day was just a really good day of of really helping people and making a lot of sales in our company, which was exciting. Yeah. And there's something to be said too. Like you, you know, you, you have this little egg, like this thing you've made and you're like, is anyone going to want this? Um, but yeah. there's a moment when you see that there's a unique need there that you can fill. And from an opera's perspective, like when you walk into an audition, it can be really intimidating because they're listening to like hundreds and hundreds of singers. And like all the singers are like, oh, do they really you know, want me for this? But the thing that kind of flips out on his head is when you recognize that the casting director, they have a need that they need someone to fill. And they're just looking for the right person to, to fill that need. So even if, you know, you don't have a, a tangible product, that if your product is yourself, you can still solve someone else's problem. Um, and that's a really unique position to be in as a creator. It really empowers you to say, oh, I can still fill someone else's need. Um, and and yeah, I, I love that aspect of singing in auditions now. And it used to be the most terrifying and intimidating thing for me. Um, we have another question that came in from Facebook. This is someone from one from Jessica. Um, has the pandemic affected your self-employed businesses in any way? Anyone want to take that? I mean, for me, no, not right now because I'm I'm doing everything from home on a computer. Um, but I would say with real estate, I know you know it is affecting the real estate industry. But right now, because I'm I'm working from the internet, basically social media management and blogging, it's not been too much. Um, although having kids home twenty four seven with you <laughs> does impact your work. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I haven't. Well, it's. I mean, it's kind of an indirect impact on me. Like in some ways, it's been really good because people need my like marketing help because I do some online marketing um, for my clients. But at the same time, like they're not paying as quickly as they were before. I think just because the economy is less stable, they're kind of like dragging their feet on on paying their bills. So um, like being able to kind of like know that that's impacted the cash flow. Um, so I did get like the PPP self-employed loan so that I can, you know, make sure that I was able to pay myself on time, um, keep my, my own personal finances afloat. Um, but also knowing that, you know, these clients still want me, they're still using me and they should have every ability to pay me, but just maybe not as soon as they would normally. So that's been the, that's been the immediate impact on me. So Jessica had a follow-up question to to that is if so how did you cope and get through it and are you back at work? And I think I think we kind of you guys kind of shared a little bit about how you coped. Um 
Our business actually started growing when the pandemic first happened because we really uh, we were we were listening to our business coach and we were paying attention to what people were asking for. So we really rose up teaching people skills of how do you lead in a crisis and how do you lead yourself in a crisis. So we started offering that and we were getting new clients left and right. Now we've noticed a little bit that that has started to drop off, but also we are intentionally slowing down a little bit to really hone in on on some marketing and building some courses and launching some things. So we're doing things intentionally. Um, I do know we had a couple clients that were on coaching packages where they had a monthly payment. And um, I can think of one client specifically where it was a six month payment of a pretty high dollar amount and she had lost her job. So right away, she reached out to me saying, you know, what can we do? And so what we ended up doing is we came up with a smaller monthly fee that she could afford and we just stayed in touch over time. And then she ended up coming to me two months later saying, hey, things are back to normal. I'm able to fit the full price again. Let me know. And and so we've built that trust with our clients, with our long term clients, where they know that they can come to us if they run into any type of problem. And we're going to do our best to work it out with them. Um, and and I think that's important as an entrepreneur too, knowing how are you going to handle it if you have somebody that runs into financial issues, whether the whole world is or not. Um, how are you going to handle that so that it it is still serving that customer, but it's also working for your company because sometimes you have to make hard decisions like that. And that's, that's exactly what um, the mentor that I mentioned uh, from the IT company, that's the same way that he handled things with his clients too. Um, and I was, and I, I was the finance manager, so I would have to do those AR calls. Um, and it's interesting how just kind of having that relationship and that dynamic, like it makes it less scary when the person calls to like, Oh, I'm collecting on the bills. Um, but if you have that, that relationship where it's like, yeah, we want to work with you. And also like if your company screws up in any way, like that way they're willing to give you some grace too, because it's like, Hey, you know, mistakes happen. But if you have a relationship, like it makes it so that you can get through it. Um, and it makes you a lot less afraid of messing up. So you can be a little bit bolder in like your recommendations, like knowing that this person trusts you and, and that you've got each other's back. When the pandemic first started, I had the opportunity to be on similar panels like this for for women in business. Um, They weren't CF related panels, but um, I was on one panel with I think there had to have been about 50 to 60 people on Zoom. And one of the people there was a headhunter. And she was saying this is, you know, business for her had slowed down a lot. And if you want this this um, whole episode, you can actually listen to it on my podcast. I think it's the Limitless episode. Um, the She Who Overcomes podcast is my podcast. And um, she was saying that the pandemic is a perfect time to take a step back if things have drastically stopped, even if they haven't, actually. And think about if you even like the business you started anymore. Because I know of some business owners, they start a business and they think it's going to be one thing and then it turns into something else and they realize they don't even like it anymore. And she said, it's it's a great time to do that. Blame it on COVID. Like if you need to blame it on something, blame it on COVID. And so I just want to give other entrepreneurs that might be listening the permission to do some self-evaluations and think, okay, do I even like 
what I've created anymore. And if I don't, what do I need to change about that? Because that's the beauty of owning your own business is you can completely pivot it into an entirely new industry if you want to. There's people doing that all over the place because of the pandemic. And if you realize that you don't like it, you could even go into maybe freelancing where you're not building like a big company, but you're just freelancing on the side to, you know, still have control over your own schedule. And I, I love that you say that because it's kind of funny because I stepped back from real estate, not because I didn't like it, but because it, it wasn't working with my lifestyle anymore. So you might even still love the, the career or the job, but it just might not be working logistically. Um, and so if I had just waited another six more months, I could have blamed it on COVID instead of my, you know, work schedule and, you know, fostering and everything. Should have just waited. But um, it's a good point. And um, we actually have another question uh, on Facebook that kind of ties into it is when I was in real estate and I was six months ago before I, you know, stepped back and I said, you know, I love real estate. But I'm just I'm always running around from foster appointment to court to speech therapy to kid appointment to kid appointment, you know, to real estate. I was like, I don't have any time like for me, for my family. Um, and so I said, do I want to do this right now when, you know, we have a kiddo in our house who's, you know, um, really young. Like, I, I really want to focus on those years with him. So I kind of said, OK, where do I want to be? And I said, well, you know, if I want to go back to real estate, I can do that once he's, you know, in kindergarten or once he's older. Um, so the question we have from Facebook is, where do you hope to be in three to five years? And that was kind of the question that, like, led me to, like, stepping away from real estate was I was just like, I want the family time now because I, I don't want my kid to go to daycare every day when I could be at home with him, you know. Um, and so I hope in three to five years, I'm still doing, you know, I still have my contracts with the companies that I work for blogging, um, and then I'm still doing social media management, but hopefully maybe I'll be in real estate at some point in the next few years again. Um, but we'll see, cause I'm really loving my time at home with my family. So that might change. Um, what about you guys? Oh man, that question has always felt like a loaded question to me just because, you know, the future is so unknowable, um, especially with CF, like what's the trajectory of, of the disease going to be in three to five years? I think having Trikafta has kind of given me that willingness to look a little bit further into the future. Um, and then COVID has also made me think, okay, so like what, what is my dream for like whatever new future we end up in? And honestly, um, the biggest thing that has hit me during COVID has been the loss of live music in my life. Um, I was scheduled to do some live performances in April, one in an opera that I was really, really looking forward to. Or I was going to have a role and choreography. And um, like three to five years, I want there to be live opera again. I want there to be the outlets for, for singing live. Um, and I... You know, with with this trichafta in my back pocket, um, I have so much more capability when I sing, and I haven't gotten to have that triumphant moment yet of really seeing what I'm capable of. You know, like, I was singing opera before. It's not like I wasn't pulling it off, but I never really had the full benefit of, um, you know, being able to sing and take a full breath and just know that it was going to be there. And I feel like now I know that it's there, and I haven't had the opportunity to actually, you know, see what I'm fully capable of um, in the, the opera, like, you know, the 
opera being like the Olympics of singing, right? Where you have these really intense demands on you physically and, um, and artistically. Uh, so I think, and I, I have wanted to turn my focus more to music. Um, when I was building CF Yogi, that really needed my attention last year. Um, so even though I left my job with the intent to be a little bit more artistically creative, I ended up spending so much time on CF Yogi and building that, that I didn't really get to pursue that. So that's, that's mine is that I really want to be able to more intentionally pursue the music side of things. Um, now that I quote, have the time <laughs> to be able to focus on that a little, a little bit more. I just admire both of you so much. Um, I feel like this kindred spirit with Katie though, cause I'm also a singer, but I haven't, I, I stopped singing publicly because the anxiety of whether or not I could hold a note without feeling like I was going to cough or needing to sip water in between verses. It just got to be too much. So I don't do it as much as I used to. Um, but I would love to record another CD someday and create more music. Like to me, I almost think that that's more fun than the actual singing in public is the creating the music and writing it and seeing where it ends up from where you started from. I love that. But I think, um, three to five years, you know, I, I would love if five years from now, I have a book that's a New York Times bestseller. That's been a goal of mine for eight years, but I've only been serious about it for like the last one year. Um, and so I have I have an idea that I'm working on and it goes with my TED Talk. And so that's kind of um, the route I want to go. I've published my own books and Bible studies and journals. Um, we did that with our company before we rebranded. And then we decided this time around, we want to actually really focus on getting partnering with a publisher. And that's, that's kind of on our radar. So I would love for our company to be known as a top coaching and consulting company in the, in the nation, if not the world, but those are my big dreams. Like I'm a big dreamer. I'm thinking like, this is going to take probably, if I think it's going to take 20 years, it's probably gonna take longer because I'm always off on my timelines. <laughs> That's awesome that you sing. I sing too. So I do musical theater. I've been in about 30, 35 productions. So we all have this <laughs> same interest. Like as a personal um, goal would also be like before Trikafta, I never knew if I'd be able to parent multiple children. Um, and we have fostered sibling groups. And so now I know like if I could do it pre Trikafta, now I'm wondering like, can I add more? Could I have more kids in the future? Like, could we bring in more kids into our house in the future? Like, could I could I handle that now that my lung function is, you know, 10% higher and the best number I've ever seen? Because um, I'm 57% right now and I've been as low as 30 before. So it's, it's kind of like, I also want to see what musical theater would be like eventually again, because I took a couple, I've taken the last three years off because of kids. But um, yeah, Trikafta's kind of, been a game changer for me for my plans and dreams and and especially even in career too so yeah I think it's I think it's so fascinating first of all I love this when I was a kid I thought nobody else with CF could sing because I didn't know anybody else who could sing and now I'm like where was the internet when we were young because so, I'm like I love connecting with all of these fellow CFers who sing but I think it's really fascinating because I think as an entrepreneur you kind of have to figure out what 
is something you love doing that you're going to keep just for you as a hobby? And what are you going to turn into your mission and your financial well-being? And that's that's a hard thing, I think, because we tend to think, oh, we could do everything and, and monetize from it. But I'm learning that it's maybe better to ask myself, should I? Like, do I really need to do it professionally or can I just have fun with it? I, I absolutely agree with that. And that's a lesson that I learned from my dad because um, he was building boats from the time he was like 14. He built his he built his own boat. Um, but he's a really, really good craftsman, just like uh, so great with with woodworking. And he started making bows too, like archery bows. Um, I grew up an archer with my dad and uh, people would always ask him, would you make me a bow? And he's like, nope, I will teach you how to make a bow if you want to make your own. But I'm not going to make it for you because I need to keep this for myself. Um and I'm really, really glad that I learned that lesson from him. Like for me, it's it's knitting. Like that's my thing. I'm like, I am never selling anything that I knit. Like that's just, I make them for myself and I give them away. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to have the hobbies and kind of the zone that you're like, no, this is, this is just for me and my creative outlet. I think that's how singing has become for me lately. Like I just like singing in my own home along with Celine Dion or whatever music I'm listening to at the time. And that's my happy place. It's kind of, it's kind of like how I self-soothe. This is such an amazing, amazing conversation. Um, and I really hate that I have to be that person who's telling us that we hit that time limit. But I really hope that we can continue these conversations around entrepreneur, um, around entrepreneurs and, you know, just women in general, because, you know, you three have been, phenomenal to meet and we're so grateful that you've given your time to do this this is this is awesome um, just hearing your guys' stories has been so inspiring and I'm so so happy that um, we were able to share that with um, our audience tonight so um, thank you everyone who tuned in on Facebook we are super happy that you were able to um, listen with us and if you need any information on tomorrow's leaders, please do not feel free or do do feel free to uh, reach out and we will get you set up right away. Um, just message us here and we can get you going with a membership or more information. Uh, and if you have any more questions, thank you so much. And we hope to have you guys all join us again. Thanks again for listening. I'd love to hear the takeaways that you got on today's episode. So let's hang out on social media. My favorite place to be is on Instagram. And you can find me at She Who Overcomes Podcast. And I'd be so grateful if you left a review before you go as well. You just might hear your name and your takeaway at the beginning of an upcoming episode. Oh, yeah. And if you're ready to work through your own inner conflict and spark hope again, my new ebook and coaching video called How I Wish It Would Have Gone is available for only $9.97 at raymateam.com. You can get it today. That's R-A-Y-M-A-T-E-A-M dot C-O-M, raymateam.com. All right, my coffee is cold, so I gotta go. See you next week.